0: Red alert. This is an attack on DeFi. I know I'm laughing, but it's also not funny. They're coming for DeFi. Bankless Nation is the first week of May and it's Friday morning. So what time is it, David? It's the Friday Bankless Weekly Roll-Up Time, Ryan, where we cover the entire week of news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere nonetheless. Ryan, what happened this week? Look, man, so much happened this
1: week. Oh, first of all, David, by the way, I'm excited to see you at Permissionless mm-hmm. in person. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's coming up really soon. Yes. So we're gonna meet in person for the first time. We'll talk Allegedly, about that later. Yes. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, I am a real person okay. I don't know where these rumors came from. But what are we gonna talk about this week? First, we got to start with the Fed watch. All right, Jerome Powell packed his biggest punch yet. A largest interest rate hike since the year 2000. That had an impact on markets. We'll cover that in the markets section. What else we got, David?
0: Yeah. Speaking of impact on markets, the gas wars this week were absolutely insane. The board Ape virtual land sale created $166 million of transaction fees, burned an absolute ton of ETH. Uh, There's a bunch of fiasco and a bunch of drama with that, leading to a brand new Ape chain? Question mark? Oh, I don't know if that's
1: a good idea. We'll we'll have to talk about that. Also, Solana went down again. I don't know if this is the fourth, the fifth time, the sixth time. Should they convert to banker hours at this point, David?
0: Down for, down for working hours only. Oops. Yeah, Oops. just no Saturday, Sunday hours. We'll talk about that too. What else yeah. we got? A troll is suing Pool Together for a quarter billion dollars, which is ridiculous. They put they put ten dollars into into Pool Together and then immediately filed a class action lawsuit against Pool Together. This person doing this has very strong connections to you guessed it, Elizabeth Warren. So this is a, a red alert. This is an attack on. On DeFi. <laughs> I know I'm laughing, but it's also not funny. They're coming for DeFi. So we all need to get uh, up to speed with what the hell is going on with the attack on pool together. Yeah, man, I've lost some money in DeFi. Maybe there's some lawsuits I could drop. We'll, we yeah, can talk wait about a that.
1: But we also have a new airdrop that's coming. I hope you're ready for this. We're not going to reveal what it is, but be sure to listen to this episode to find out more. What else should they do, David?
0: Oh, they got to just like, subscribe, rate, and review, Ryan. If you're watching on YouTube, you got to click that button so you can go and subscribe. This comes out every Friday, and it's the most high energy way to recap the news in crypto. Also, the most entertaining. But also, if you are listening to this on the podcast, please rate and review the Bankless Podcast. Podcast, the number one podcast in crypto. You know it. Uh, and we want to make sure that we get to uh, the mainstream and we need those reviews to get that done. Look at David
1: hyping us up, man. But you know, this is a lot of fun. I enjoy doing this every Friday. This, this happens every Friday, guys. Mm. So come back for the next Friday and subscribe mm. so you don't miss it. Fridays happen every week. Fridays do happen every week. That means we're recording a lot, David. Uh, you know what else we're doing? We're doing a lot of experiments in Web3. We uh, have this theme on Bankless where you can join crypto and become a self-sovereign employee. You can work for a bunch of DAOs, there's massive opportunities to be sort of a self-sovereign worker an independent contractor in this new economy. But the thing you're gonna need if you move uh, move from your cushy corporate job is health insurance. Mm. You're gonna need some benefits. You're gonna need someone to manage payroll. Opolis does all of that for you in a box. This is a way to pay yourself in crypto. They handle health insurance, they handle uh, dental, they handle medical, they handle all of it. And they'll even pay your payroll in crypto. So you can start receiving your, your salary in crypto from a DAO. So if you are a DAO employee or want to work for DAOs in the future, You got to investigate this. This can onboard you into crypto. David, there's uh,
0: some benefits here when people sign up, right? Some deadlines and benefits. What are those? Oh, the Web3 always has benefits, Ryan. If you sign up with Opolis before May 25th, 2022, that is this month, as the end of this month, you get 1,000 work tokens, the native token of Opolis, and 1,000 bank tokens when you sign up and you get your first paycheck paid by Opolis. Opolis. Basically, it's a collective. It's a big collective, a DAO for getting good healthcare rates, basically de-risking the process of becoming a self-sovereign worker in Web3. That's why we love Opolis. It's a DAO that services other DAOs. Guys, you can go check that out. The
1: link in the show notes, it's bankless.cc slash Make sure you get that capital O in there. All right,
0: David, let's get to the markets, man. What are the markets telling us about Bitcoin this week? They were almost happy, Ryan, but now they're sad. Uh, we started the yes. week at $39,700, trying to keep our head above that $40,000 level, which we definitely love, and we just never got there. Uh, we are currently down to 36000 000- 300 oh wow it's dumping as we speak uh Uh, so it was down 6.5 percent when i wrote this but it looks like we're down to something like seven or eight percent down eight eight percent on the week so far it's funny
1: people thought we were out of the woods look uh after the powell speech you could see that on the charts right so the kind Mm -hmm. of powell speech around here on wednesday and markets were up after Powell talked, we'll talk about what he said in our Fed Watch. But then a day later, bam! Oof, we we Oof. we got wrecked. No, nope. there's a big red candle down. Uh, we tried it,
0: to be bullish, but we just couldn't do it.
1: Same thing happened with ETH. What's the story on Ether this week?
0: Yeah, Ether started the week at two thousand nine hundred and forty dollars. Again, the forty thousand dollars is to Bitcoin as three thousand dollars is to ETH. We tried to climb above three thousand dollars, we couldn't do it. Uh, we were uh, when I wrote these numbers down, it was two thousand seven hundred. Has seven hundred and sixty. We are now down to two thousand seven hundred and twenty. So that's about like down eight percent on the week. Big sad face. We are setting all time lows on the week as we record right now. So sad face. Sad yeah, face. it's 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 funny. It's like we thought we were out of the woods, happy times after Fed market
1: goes up, and what this looks like to me, I don't know what it looks like to you, David. Was is just whale games, the mm-hmm. games whales play during mm-hmm. crowd uh, d- during crab season when the market doesn't know which direction to go in. And uh, suddenly we have a, a, a massive uh, dumpage right here. You know, the... you know what's
0: happening, Ryan? We don't have any leaks in here, but uh, people are getting liquidated this morning, like uh, because on they on on margin, even though we were at these prices at that on May first, and so people aped into a, a leverage position like yesterday.
1: Oh yeah, and then, and then got of liquidated
0: course. today. <laughs> of course, yeah, they were. They
1: got bullish after the Fed news. And the market responded very favorably to that. Mm. And now they're paying for that the very next day and getting liquidated. So what's going on. I Oof. can't believe people have uh, the positions like that. But yeah. what do we know? We don't trade. Mm. Uh, ETH Bitcoin, the ratio, what's that looking at? Uh, like?
0: Oddly looking good. It was up 1% this week. Um, and so pretty cool. It's actually t- uh, trending in an upwards direction. Do you ever look at yeah. this in TradingView? The technicals? Yeah, that, yeah, that whole like meter buy? thing. Yeah. yeah, it's basically a weather vane, dude. It just follows like, <laughs> did it go up recently? Then it's a buy. Did okay. it go down recently? Then it's a sell. It's a, it's a sentiment indication, not like a technical indication. It's not what technicals are though.
1: Just sentiment indication. Is it mm-hmm. more than
0: that? Are the triangles
1: more than that? Do they mean triangles more than are that more than that. And The triangles are okay. more than that. But like right, it,
0: well. it, it, in the same, uh, we, we recorded a podcast with um uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy and we like one of the big TLDRs is that narrative follows price. Uh, and so, like, yeah, people are happy about their assets when they go up in price. Like, <laughs> crazy thought. That's a great episode, by the way. That's coming out Monday
1: and it has yeah. a whole bunch of tips. That Jim relays to us that are super useful in crypto and how not to fall prey to the the, the FUD and the FOMO and all the psychological tra- traps we can fall in in crypto.
0: How about uh, the total market cap of crypto? We up? We down? Uh, we're down. If you go to that 24-hour tab, we started the, the week at $1.9 trillion. We are currently down to $1.77 trillion. So lost okay. $130 billion in crypto market cap this last week. <sighs> we lost half in Elon. I think that's the measure. But let's talk about the Fed stuff
1: because that uh, is dictating some of the outcomes in the market, at least I think right now. Uh the Fed just raised rates by half a percentage point. So that's 0.5%. That's the biggest interest rate hike in two decades. The goal of course is to fight inflation. It's the largest since 2000, as I mentioned. It's the first time since 2006 that the Fed has increased rates in back-to-back meetings, okay? So they did that. They also uh, announced some guidance to the future. So it's not just happening in May, 50%, Fifty percent, uh, a fifty point five percent increase in May. They're also planning another five point five percent increase in June and also in July. That's what uh, Powell's guidance is saying. And then he provides a, a bit more guidance as, as well. But basically, they're they're doing some quantitative tightening. So that means you know that balance sheet that they racked up over COVID and, yeah, and the, like we, the last the couple of decades amounts of
0: debt that they've c- yeah, accumulated it, since two thousand. It's about
1: nine yeah. trillion dollars at this Oof. point. All right, so they are. They're reducing it by fifty billion a month, and they they're planning to do that in June, in July, in August. So you know that's a quarter of an Elon or so. They're going to reduce their budget <laughs> by, uh, and then September and going forward, they're going to get even more aggressive, and it's probably a, a
0: hundred uh, billion a month. But Did you the say market- nine tri- nine trillion dollar debt. Uh Is yeah, that what you said and yeah. they're reducing, reducing. it they're trying to pay it back at 50 billion dollars a month.
1: Yeah, you got to do those down payments. You got What do,
0: what does 50 billion dollars do to the face of 9 trillion dollars? You know how many months that'll take Brian? I just I just Tipping did the away. math because I'm a math. Away. The I'm the math with 180 yeah. months. Okay. That's 15 years. It's doable 15, 15, 15 years. years to pay back the debt don't say it's not doable, David. It's doable. I guess 15 years. I guess it's shorter than the most home mortgages.
1: Well, well, Powell says we don't want to do things too quickly. And that's part of the thing uh, because a soft landing is the goal. So what he means by soft landing is basically like, uh, we're not planning to do this until we totally, until we wreck the economy. We just want a soft landing. So we're not trying to cause a recession here, guys. All right. He Mm. said, the strong economy can handle these rising rates right now and some of this quantitative tightening. And I guess we see if he's right. But right. what that also means to me, maybe the market responded with this is like, if there's indications of the R word recession and you know some blood in the streets,
0: then some of these plans could reverse. Right. Maybe the market's right. anticipating that. The story here is there is a needle to thread with can we fight inflation and also not cause a, re- a recession at the same time. Uh, and so that is the Fed's drop to thread that needle. Let's raise interest rates to fight inflation, but also let's raise interest rates not too much so that we cause the R word, the recession word. Uh, there's a bunch of debate as to whether that hole in that needle even exists, Ryan. So like we actually might just have to be chosen, choose one, like what do we want, the recession or the inflation? It's yeah. like, you know, which which. Do you want to be punched in? Um, but but basically, uh, what's going on is like you know the Fed the Fed is saying hey we're going to raise interest rates this many times throughout the future future and it's yeah. so like you know to put this into a visual terms it's just like imagine it's like hey we're going to punch the market in the stomach seven times <laughs> and then the market I'm glad you went with the stomach because I was getting the visual there <laughs> <laughs> and then the market like braces for seven punches yeah. and it does that by like selling off that's what we saw through January through now uh, but then the Fed is like oh we've changed we're actually going to punch you guys. Eight times or perhaps they say, oh, we're going to only punch you guys six times. And so like the market can brace or unbrace based off of like how many times the the Fed is going to punch it. And to be fair, like we're calling these
1: punches, but it's just like, I mean, they got us drunk first, right? Yeah. Like the market's yeah. totally like drunk. Yeah. And like, here's a tweet. You wanted to talk about this. It says party hard, uh, party yeah. hardy, and then dot, 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 hangover. And what yeah. we're looking at, well, why don't you explain what we're looking at here?
0: Yeah, this is the disposable personal income amount over the last, what, like 50, 60 years. And like during the middle of COVID, you see this uh, real personal disposable income. It's like just savings in the bank, spike. right? Yeah, just the like personal savings, like how, how yeah. much cash you got your slush fund your personal slush fund yeah uh, and like it was it like jumped up like four times higher than it has ever been in the last like 50 years as a, as a result of covid because of the the steamy checks the the uh, unemployment income uh and so that was like what everyone was talking about oh they're roaring 20s like everyone's partying <laughs> everyone's quitting their, we got all this money uh <laughs> and then uh in 2022 when they start to fight that inflation uh, it goes in the complete opposite direction so now people have less disposable personal income than they've ever had in the last 50 years as well so it's just like whiplash first we got a bunch of money this now everyone's scary. poor it I is this, it is it is scary this like chart people, is scary yeah like tech stocks have erased all of their gains like all of these like uh you know wall street best traders and DJ robin hood traders like they don't have any money anymore uh and so like all the money's gone all the money's gone
1: Oof. Yeah, and the money Oof. is uh evaporating it, you know, b- before our eyes with with right. inflation as well. This is the kind mm. of volatility I and mean, something that you've said recently and we've said for a while at Bankless is like, hey, you know that volatility that you're trying to avoid in the crypto market? Right. Well, it's coming for the real world. <laughs> yeah. Here it is. Look at this whiplash. You know, mm. positive 30 30%, 30% now we're negative 20% in mm. the space of like just uh a couple of quarters. Um Let's stop talking about Fiat, though, David. I want to talk about about the new economy. Let's talk about yeah, the new economy the 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 economy that is actually enjoyable to look at. (laughs) Uh, We put out Bankless put out Ethereum's Q one results, and what does this look like? Uh,
0: Bullish. Is that, is that the answer that you wanted from me? I want right, more detail we'll, now. We'll, we'll go into this. Yeah, hang on. All right. So the, Ethereum is a protocol, so it's not going to release its quarterly reports. So, so somebody has to do it on Ethereum's behalf. So we have volunteered. We put our, our lead analyst minds on the case and they have produced a report, Ethereum Q1 results. You can review this on the newsletter. But here are four quick facts to cover what the state of the Ethereum economy is in the last quarter. Uh, 2.4 billion in transaction fees. That's up 86% year over year, plus 2.1 of that a billion was burned in ETH. So $3 billion paid in tips to miners, $2.1 billion of ether burned. Can which I just cr- pause? I wanna pause there after you're done. Sorry, David, I interrupted yeah, you. Which created a 54% decrease in ether issuance as a result of EIP-1559. So while the US dollar is inflating, the inflation rate of ether got cut in half that is so cool this is so cool so what we're saying is like if you if you look at the us government
1: which is operating in a deficit mm-hmm. okay the ethereum economy the ethereum government brought in 2.4 billion dollars in transaction fees and then this eth burned that's essentially a dividend back to all the eth holders yep. it's a a freedom dividend he's <laughs> uh andrew Yek. it's it's a mm-hmm. stimulus mm-hmm. and uh eth owners eth like people who own eth got 2.1 billion dollars in uh, value back we're going in the complete opposite direction of fiat economy. There's no deficit. There's no nine trillion dollar deficit here.
0: We're actually like giving the surplus back to ETH holders. That's exactly right. Take us through the next one because okay? DeFi did some cool things. Talk about DeFi. Yeah. So there was also incredible
1: growth in DeFi as you'd imagine. So a two thousand seven hundred percent increase in perpetuals volume, which is huge. It, which is huge uh 657% growth in spot volumes and also another doubling of stablecoin supplies that's pretty impressive on its own what's uh can you tell us about the nft
0: ecosystem uh, yeah Dave? of course we can't not talk about nft ecosystem cuz it's at some point the nft uh, ecosystem just broke all metrics like what does it mean when trading volumes rise 19000% right <laughs> like i don't even know how to quantify that but that's what happened to the nft market 19000% increase year year as a hundred and sixteen billion dollars worth of nfts traded in q1 116 billion a... dollars in q1 ryan q1 that's just this... one
1: quarter a crazy quarter. It's a bullish quarter. I certainly like looking at these numbers rather than Fed numbers. Um, there's
0: also a really cool uh, chart here, David, that you uncovered. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about this. Yeah, this is a brand brand new Dune Analytics dashboard, uh, probably covering like the most global set of metrics about uh, Ether and Ethereum at large. So you know, it starts with the basic. Basics, like the price and the market cap, but then it gets into more granular stuff like how many million how many wallets? There are 205 million how many total transactions there are 1.56 billion. How many blocks have there been? 14.7 million 50 million smart contracts created and then you get to see some gas metrics the price over time So it's like the most global universal like satellite level view of just the state of the Ethereum economy And the cool thing about this is that it's real time like bankless the q1 q2 quarterly reports Those are really useful to compare quarter over quarter but also this dashboard just uh, compares granularly block by block by block for the complete state of the Ethereum economy. Never before seen like metrics going into economies coming out of crypto right now. That's awesome. I guess they, they did our job. We could just screenshot this and this the
1: every
0: <laughs> in real time. Um, Optimism doing some things too. What's up? Oh, we saw this comment from a long way off. You know, you remember the whole layer two, two, two summer, Ryan? That's Oh, because, I remember. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's we, it was always predicated on tokens because tokens create incentives and we need liquidity mining incentives, adoption incentives. And today, or this week, I mean, Optimism has announced their Stimpak, their Stimpak program, along with one of their, uh, you know, very famous, slightly hi- indie hippie niche memes that I don't really get, but they always do these odd memes. <laughs> means it's, it's, it's cute but also i kind of don't get it but i do get it at the same time anyways um if for the listeners it's a cat looking at a fish uh and this fish is the stim pack well, it's, it's peekaboo though it's a
1: surprise for the cat oh, like here it you is go. A surprise oh yeah oh you know? it's right gift. okay give to the okay. community the cat okay. is the community in this picture the fish is the liquidity mining you're gonna get right
0: Right. Well, okay. So the OP token is not yet unlocked. People got their airdrop, but they have not been able to claim their airdrop. That happens in just a few weeks. There are 230 million OP tokens coming to uh, liquidity mining incentives, just project growth incentives. Uh, For context, the uh, Optimism total supply is like 4.2 billion. Uh, So 230 million of that 4.2 billion supply going to incentivize project growth on Optimism. Ryan, can you smell that? The smi- the fish, or the the money, or or layer two two two.
1: <laughs> I, I smell layer two two two. In fact, look, man, we released two episodes on this this week. <laughs> yes. It's called the trillion dollar opportunity in layer twos. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And it's a two parter, and it's a must listen if you're interested in all of our thoughts on the opportunities ahead in layer two, 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 22, summer summer of twenty <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so summer, summer of, of layer two. <laughs> yeah, uh, all of it. So, I mean, most of the opportunities, I think, are pretty expect- are expected, like the, just looking at the native tokens of the Layer 2s, the Optimism token, the probably coming Arbitrum token, uh, then the tokens on Layer 2s, like the Lyra token, all these apps, and then also the liquidity mine. Like, all this stuff is known, but then part two of this whole series is something that I'm pretty sure 99% of listeners, 99.9% of listeners have not yet heard of, and the magnitude of this opportunity is equal to all the other opportunities on Layer 2. So don't fade that podcast. Yeah. Listen to them both back
1: to back. Uh, Okay. NFTs. All right. So DeFi seems a little dead these days, David, but what's propping up the Ethereum economy these days? It's NFTs. Again, people thought NFTs were dead. When will the JPEGs go down in price? It's like, never is the answer.
0: What's happening here? What are some metrics that are uh, relevant? Well, okay, so there's been 116 million transactions on on NFTs, uh, which are absolutely crazy. Uh, OpenSea registered more than $476 million worth of NFT trades on one day. That was one day. That's half a billion dollars of volume on May First, uh as a result of the other side project launch, which we will get into in just a little bit. The single previous day record for OpenSea was $323 million set on August 29th, 2021. So NFTs continue to break records. However, I will say that there is a lot of churn in NFTs. Uh, volume does seem to be just kind of permanently leaving many projects and going into newer projects. So there's always this like churn, this like rolling forward of the NFT ecosystem where volume seems to be going all time highs every single quarter. Like it's going into new projects every single quarter. So like, it's not like DeFi tokens where like the same tokens are around quarter after quarter after quarter. There's always something new in the NFT world. Cause like everyone's always looking for the next new shiny thing. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: That's, that's how it goes guys. Mm. And, uh, we've got some more stuff to cover for you, including the ape gas fiasco. David just alluded to it. We're going to talk more about that. Uh, ENS markets are on fire as well. We're going to discuss why. And what's the last
0: one? This is big, David. Uh, I I hope it comes out by the time I I say this, because if it doesn't, I'll be in trouble. But the hop drop, the hop drop is coming. It's a drop and we're going to hop about it and it's going to be fun. All right, guys. So all of those details are coming up in the second half of the show. We'll talk about the hop drop and other related things right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that help you go bankless. All right, guys. We are back. Newly released on the scene, Lido is doing an interesting uh, scorecard for themselves. Uh, They are giving themselves a self-assessment. Excuse me, a self-assessment on all the things that make Lido Lido. So I just really like this uh, because it's just transparency and making like the weaknesses of DAOs explicit. You can check this out at scorecard.lido.fi, and they just go through and give themselves a rating, a self-assessment on every single variable, every single metric that they need to work on, and so they. have things like no distribution geographically around the world uh they have things like governance uh, that needs to be improvement such as uh is there a robust set of lido governance delegates is lido governments have uh, uh, sufficient safeguards uh governance seems to be the weak one but um i mean i I just like the explicitness and the intentionality that lido is putting into giving themselves a rating on uh, vectors that they need to improve on
1: yeah, we really need Lido to become more decentralized or other staking pools to kind of uh, pick up the slack. Rocket Pool is is there. Of course, they're more decentralized in a lot of ways than Lido, but they have not been able to accrue the massive amount of stake that Lido has. And so you see most of the, the issues on the scorecard, the decentralization scorecard, are all governance-related, involved with who can be a Lido validator and who cannot be, and how upgrades happen, this sort of thing. So yeah, you know, what gets measured gets managed, and look, they're naming it, so hopefully they get better. And this is super important because there's some debate in the Ethereum community about the, the massive amount of uh, stake that Lido has accrued or, like over time. And it's more decentralized than, like, say, a Coinbase doing this, but still, there's a lot of centralization vectors, and that could be... Uh, th- that That is not a good thing for Ethereum long... Term. It's also, David, it's early in the game though. Like, right. we haven't even done the merge. You can't even withdraw right. your stake. So, I expect a lot of things to, to play out, but hopefully, Lido goes in the path of, of making their protocol more decentralized over time.
0: Yeah. And overall, it's just giving a roadmap to other alternatives, other staking as a service uh, people saying, hey, like, if you're trying to do a staking as a service thing, like, here are the variables that you also need to work on. So, I yeah. think uh, I consider it just like a public good for the ecosystem, just uh, touting out knowledge about the difficulties and what needs to be targeted. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Let's see progress. Uh, What's next, David? ENS Constitution. There is a constitution, a literal book for the ENS DAO, a set of binding rules that determine what governance actions are legitimate for the DAO to take. But this is instantiated in a book. Uh, so there's a Like digital a physical edi- book? A physical book, yeah. you can Well, you can download the digital edition for free, but oh, you, wow. can, you can buy a, phys, uh, a physical edition for about $115. But in addition to the physical book, there's also the special limited edition where you can bid using the ENS token on 25 numbered copies out of a total of 50. I would imagine the other 25 goes to like core DAO members. Uh, but there's a, a physical copy, a physical constitution with special edition being b- uh, bid on, sometime soon uh it starts it started actually it already started it ends in five days uh so like you know real world relics about our DAOs, which are kind of cool if you are that into ens which you might be if you are in the 10k club uh which we'll talk about in a second you might be interested in buying one of these special editions of the ens constitution
1: That's cool. Very cool. What's this, David? We got a transaction heat map feature from Etherscan.
0: Yeah, this is just good data visualization. So, right now, a new feature out of Etherscan is you can go into a specific contract or a specific address and you can just look at the heat map for activity, as in just how active is that contract. Has that contract been over the last year? Uh, The cool thing is you can do this for every single contract. Uh, So you can just get a nice little visualization of the activity around addresses. So what am
1: I looking at? Is this less, more, less, more, what, transactions for this particular contract? Just like raw transaction number. Ah, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Etherscan just continues Mm -hmm. to pump it out, pump out the features. Uh, Raise time. Man, every week I feel like there's a new crypto fund that's raised some money. This is a uh, crypto fund... Um, That is investing primarily in public tokens. The Mm -hmm. title of this article is Crypto Wonder Kids Secure $85 Million to Start Their Own Hedge Fund. Uh, Ryan Watkins is in on this. We've had him on the podcast before. He's a former analyst at Masari, definitely knows what he's doing.
0: And there's a lot of big investors backing this particular fund. Uh, Who are they, David? Oh, my God. There's so many. Brad Burnham from Union Square Ventures. We have Apollo Global Management co-founders Josh Harris. Also, Do Kwan, I think you all know who he is. Uh, Alameda Research from out of uh, SBF's camp. Uh, and also got Multicoin Capital's Kyle Samani. So some big chads going into this fund. What's cool about this is I do think that there's something to
1: the thesis that the real opportunity is not private markets in crypto. It's actually mm-hmm. undervalued public markets. And yeah. so I expect this fund and, and others to follow to, uh, to see if that thesis plays out um, here's another one. Syndicate. They just got another $6 million in funding. What is Syndicate, David?
0: Yeah, Syndicate is a new fund. It's $6 million. It isn't all that much, but it's the structure of Syndicate that is uh, more unique. It's type, kind of like a Y Combinator but for DeFi, but for DAOs, uh, and it's trying to figure out how do we include as many people as possible, compliantly and legally, which is the challenge, into the fund. Um, and so they have raised, as a result of this, a total of twenty-eight million dollars in just this year. Again, a very like robust name of contenders on this list: A16Z, Carta, Ledger, Circle Ventures, OpenSea, Uniswap Labs, Coinlist, Polygon, YGG, Pool Suite, fermion uh, Outliers VC, DAO, Creators of uh, Friends with Benefits, Rug Radio, Loot Project, Deadfellas, Nansen. Like all of these people are part of Syndicate. The
1: cool thing about this is it's not actually a fund. It's a tool set that allows people to create decentralized investment clubs. They have like one, over a thousand different investment clubs uh, that they've uh, that they've created on this fund. And so this is another $6 million um, to fund that that infrastructure and that tool set. So more, more investment clubs coming to crypto, more democratization of finance, which is uh, definitely what we need. Like we need fewer... You have to own a million dollars or over in order to invest in this fund and more like capital structures for the people. And hopefully DeFi uh, brings that about. David, um, it's jobs time, but we also have a community question going into this. What's the question?
0: Yeah, so we are doing a new segment uh, called Community Questions. Uh, they're going to go at the end, but because this particular question is relevant to jobs, we are raising that question up to the job section. And so, uh, Degenerati, I love the name, says, "Are there jobs in Web three for people who don't have experience in Web two or code?" And Degenerati, I think we got plenty of answers for you on the Bankless Jobs Board. The answer yeah, is yes; it. they definitely are. I'm gonna I'm gonna go
1: to that jobs board and and show the positions. Maybe as we go through, we highlight them because. It's time for us to tell you that you should be getting a job in crypto. Now's the time. Crypto companies, crypto projects, they are hiring hard right now. And you should investigate. You should be on their list. You can enroll in the collaborative, submit your resume. Also, I'm going to read out a few samples of jobs that crypto companies are hiring for as David dances. And listen for the ones that are non-technical. Uh, the first is a marketing manager. Non okay, technical. Non technical. Non technical. VP of engineering. That one's technical. At, yes. Head of growth.
0: That one's non technical.
1: Lead community manager. That's non technical. Calls. Senior product designer, parcel. Kind of technical, not really though. Ethereum core developer, Nethermind. extremely technical. Yeah, don't. Sorry. That one's technical. <laughs> Golang engineer, Starknet client, Nethermind as well. Bankless newsletter editor. What's that? Non technical. That's non technical. Content manager at Tally. That's non-technical. Director of developer relations at Vallist. Uh, That might be a little technical. A little bit, not really though. Solidity architect, Alu. Yeah,
0: uh, that's definitely technical.
1: Marketing manager, Mesh. Non-technical. UX designer, Prometheus Research Labs. It's kind of mixed results. And community manager at DGEN Dogs Club. Definitely non-technical. You just need to be sociable. So as you can see, DGenerati, there are a lot of opportunities for people who want non-technical career trajectories in crypto. In fact, I feel like that's a lot of the demand these days. That's where some of the, like, people need managers. People need, like, uh, people's growth skills, marketing skills, community management skills. skills. Writing Writing skills. Writing skills.
0: Universal. Writing skills are universal.
1: Get a job in crypto, guys, Like, even if you're non-technical, especially if you're non-technical. The Bankless yeah. Job Board has those jobs for you, so uh, go submit your your resume, submit your profile, or take a look at one of those jobs. Uh, David, you ready to get to the news, man? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Are we ready for it?
0: Yeah, this one's big. Why don't you lead with it? Uh, this is what I'm dubbing the hop drop. Hop protocol, one of my favorite bridging protocols. allows you to be a bridge or across all the layer twos uh, and back to the layer one. And they a while ago teased this loading bar, which is like really, really close to finish. Uh, and also, I I hit up uh, the Hop team. That there is no official Hop team. There's actually a really cool story behind Hop. They've never taken any venture capital, Ryan. Really? Like, yeah, they've never taken you any can money. You do that. Yeah, that's an option. They just started building out Hot Protocol. They put a team together, uh, and they haven't. It's, it's a little bit like ENS DAO where they have not taken any outside investors, uh, and so how they are releasing this token, they call it the uh, Fair fair launch, where like Uniswap was the fair launch, right? Retroactive uh, token, because no one saw it coming. No one even knew what the term retroactive token airdrop was, but now that's been gamed. And so HOP protocol, they've been doing this fair, fair launch strategy where they kind of just figure it out. They just give it, hey, you've done some work. Here's some tokens. You, uh, you've done a lot of work. Here's a lot of tokens. And it looks like they are teasing, perhaps, but again, what I'm dubbing the HOP drop. Um, well, and perhaps they might be coming, perhaps
1: on the Bankless uh, podcast and YouTube channel, perhaps tomorrow uh,
0: or today. As today for, as us, you're today to for it. the listener, Friday, uh, so one p.m. Pacific time, four p.m. Eastern time. Uh, at the very least, Hop will be launching the Dow, uh, and so we're going to talk about that with Chris Winfrey from Hot Protocol. Um, yeah. So uh, as we're expecting some announcements, probably by the time this podcast comes out, I hope it comes out. Uh, but anyway, stay tuned for that, for the uh, live stream with uh, Chris Winfrey of Hot Protocol. Yeah. W-
1: we should say at the time of recording, it's unknown whether there's going to be an airdrop associated with this or not. But when people say DAO, they also generally mean token, because how is a DAO governed by tokens? You guys put one and one together and uh, join us at 1pm <laughs> Pacific time today says hear what they have to say and what some of the criteria for the DAO responsibility might be. Um, David, what else we got to talk fiasco about? Fiasco
0: time. I think it's yeah, fiasco time. Yeah, fiasco
1: time. So this happened this weekend. I was kind of monitoring it a little bit, Twitter, but like, you know, and this this one was hard to pull away from once you realized what happened. Could you go through the Bored Ape Yacht Club right. mint fiasco, the crazy gas fees that people experienced this weekend and all right. of the fallout that resulted
0: Yeah. So listeners might remember Yuga labs released that deck a while ago talking about their metaverse. They're going to build out a metaverse complete with virtual real estate, virtual land. Uh, So we have come to that part of the deck. Uh, There was the other side, which actually I think is a cool name for metaverse land other side. Um, uh, Metaverse land NFT mint was happening on Ethereum. Uh, And so this happened on Saturday, Saturday night, this, this mint went live. It was the largest NFT mint ever. Uh, and the demand for uh, for the other side land NFTs was so strong that it even crashed EtherScan. Very rarely will EtherScan ever go down, <laughs> wow. but they managed to get this done. Uh, the average gas price, Ryan, was absolutely insane—like uh, never before seen gas prices. Like it, it, I saw numbers up above like three thousand for a very brief moment. Three thousand Gwei? Yeah, three thousand Gwei for the for the very very peak. But even on the Coin Metrics chart, you can see here just absolutely needle of a candle all the way up from like the typical gas fee that's been in the last few weeks of like 40 to 50 all the way up to 800 uh dwarfing all of DeFi summer uh so that is pretty cool Sixty thousand two hundred thirty-four eth were spent in gas fees ryan that is absolutely insane uh and in one in just a few like in an hour or so it's new contract, brand new contract becomes number six in the all time high leaderboard for burned ether. That's a hu- ahead of MetaMask as ahead of MetaMask. Uh, wow. And so like just jumping up to the top inside of 24 hours, 55,900 ether was burned. This is uh, it right here. This is it this is right, right here. here. Yeah. Other deed. Other, other deed. Yeah, that, that is it. That on is the burn it. leaderboard. Number Absolutely one. Absolutely crazy. Would,
1: it's number one on the week. Oh, it's number one in the last the 30 month. days. Yeah and that's it's number
0: number 6 in, all time it's yeah.
1: all time 6 uh taxpayer right. um, thank you board apes for your contribution to ethereum public goods uh funding security mm-hmm. that's that's pretty it's a pretty big contribution
0: yeah yeah thank you it's th- not necessarily a good thing it's though it's not right? a good thing because a lot of people weren't able to get their transactions through uh this is Oof. what happens when ethereum becomes super congested is transactions fail uh, and so they, what doesn't happen is Ethereum doesn't go down. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people weren't able to get their transactions through. They spent thousands on gas, but they are reportedly being refunded by Yuga Labs because Yuga Labs has basically infinite money. Um and then so people people are going like, why? If only we could have known. Like, how could this possibly happen?
1: Like, <laughs> where did this come completely from? Completely blindsided mystified. by Ethereum's congestion issue. Completely blindsided. <laughs> There's no way we would have known that an NFT auction like this would have resulted in what we saw. Um, and then didn't Yuga Labs? I saw this tweet thread. They they went through a long tweet, sort of apologizing to their community, what went right, what yeah. went wrong, and one of the tweets that uh, Yuga Labs sent out was basically like, oh, Ethereum is. Not sustainable, it's not Uh, scalable scalable. (laughs) for the apes. And so we encourage the Board Ape Yacht Club DAO to start planning to migrate to its own chain. That's what they said. So they want to move off of Ethereum. This was floated out there anyway and create an ape chain of some sort to handle this uh, excess transaction, some sort of a a side chain, let's call it. Um, Are you sure that's what happened?
0: Uh, Other people were interpreting a brand new layer one.
1: A brand new la- What's the difference, right? It's yeah, a question. If like yeah. it's a side chain until you can get other people to come on the thing with you, and then maybe right. it's a layer one, but right. you have to kind of earn the right to be a layer one, in right. my opinion. Sure. Uh Andrew Steinwald had a take on
0: this. What was his take on Yuca Labs potential threat to migrate. Yeah, he puts this just into context. Dapper Labs, the creator of, of CryptoKitties, created their own chain Flow because they broke Ether, Ethereum back in 2017 with the CryptoKitties congestion. 2018, Axie Infinity tried to work on ETH, but transaction fees were too high, so they tried on Loom. That also didn't work. Loom Network is a, is a deep cut of an old plasma chain that oh, uh, is no, no longer relevant. Uh, so that didn't work, so they launched Ronin, the sidechain. Yuga Labs now also saying Ethereum's broken, so they need a new chain. Um, for, for the record, Ethereum is like five to 10 times more scalable than it was back in 2017. That's a little fun fact that like we actually have way more scalability than we did back in the CryptoKitties days. Um, you can talk to the uh, X team who minted a ton of on-chain NFTs. But then there is some pushback on this whole thing where uh, Fubar, he's a famous crypto Twitter commentator, also a technical guy. He goes to Yuga Labs, saying to Yuka Labs, you guys wrote a terribly unoptimized contract, unoptimized NFT contract, creating, uh, created a gas war, lied about Dutch auction mechanics to pump your own narrative, and then hid how many wallets were eligible to participate in the Mint. Maybe get a Solidity dev before you go trying to create Binance Smart Chain 2.0. Wow. Hot take, hot take. Okay. That hot is take. a hot take, right? So basically, they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. They knew that this would
1: happen, and they're not optimizing. And instead mm-hmm. of kind of like saying, right. oh, we could have done things differently, right. they're kind of taking their ball and going to another chain. Yeah, they're
0: saying, Ethereum's unoptimized. And then FUBAR is basically saying, no, your guys' contracts were unoptimized. I, I think there's some
1: skepticism. Some people are like, well, was this all planned to begin with? Because right. now you get to benefit potentially from the, uh, we've got a layer one token pump. Right. Uh, that is so popular in the narrative right. right now if, if, you know, ape coins become a layer one coin as
0: well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a path forward that I think it makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, this is uh, somebody uh, called way Corey, This is what I would do if I'm Yuga Labs right now. I fork optimism, launch my own rollup. I make apes one house and the ape coin, the other house. This is alluding to optimism's two house uh, governance structure uh, later, I get atomic composability with the entire Optimism ecosystem. This satisfies the need for the Ape Chain to have its own self-sovereign blockchain. Just fork Optimism. They already have, this is a beautiful thing, Ryan. The Optimism team is, is like pioneering this whole two-house governance model. One is NFT-based and one is ERC-20 token-based. The, uh, the NFT is like this soul-bound NFT for identifiable people. And the other one is the Optimism token. The apes already—they have demand for a brand new chain that's their self-sovereign, like control, where they get to create their metaverse. They already have the NFTs, Ryan. They're the apes, yep. and they already have the ape coin. It's I the would ape totally coin. Do that. It's a hundred percent the right. All myth, of these man. pieces are so perfect. This is this is. This is, this is advice. This is actual advice to any of the Yuga Labs people that might be listening to this. This is the best path forward for you. And, not, and also not to fade the atomic composability with the entire Optimism and other EVM equivalent chain ecosystem, not to mention the Ethereum layer one itself.
1: Yeah, I think it's the game theoretic optimum. Uh, you know, because otherwise you're actually you have to spend ape coins and inflation or something to pay for security. And in this model, you get security of Ethereum for free. So you're not really right. sacrificing anything from the migration. You stay completely composable and you maintain the security. Now, they might not benefit from the short term we're an alt layer one pump, though, David. Right. Which, I don't know if that's there's, what they're after.
0: There's a there's a we're a brand new sovereign blockchain layer two on Ethereum pump. That's a that's I possible. Agree. Yeah. I think, I think it's a pretty obvious choice,
1: but we'll have to see what they do uh, from here. Um, David, there's another big story that's happening, mm-hmm. and that is uh, ENS names. We talked about ENS a little bit earlier, and we mentioned it on the roll-up.
0: Is mm-hmm. People snapping up ENS names. What's happening here with the 10K ENS club? Oh, yeah. This story has just continued, Ryan. There have been one million ENS names total created and people are just bidding on all of these four digit ENS names. Uh, So they're calling it the 10K club. Like, are you in the 10K club? You know how there are like usually NFT profile picture uh, projects are like 10,000 of them? Well, the bottom 10,000 numbers of ENS, like one through nine, 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 nine. Like zero dot ETH, one dot ETH, two dot ETH, all of these. I I don't actually think single digits or two digits are viable ENS uh, names. Okay. So I think it starts at 100. Got it, might it. Start, it might start at 000. I don't know, up for interpretation. But anyways, okay. there's the 10,000 club as in the people that have three digit ENS names up to four digit ENS names. Wow. Uh, so if you have like 1234.eth or remember last week 555.eth got sold for 55.5 ETH, of course. Um, uh, and so yeah, if you have the four digit ENS names, you're in the 10k club and we're doing a live stream. Wait, so
1: what? So the 10k club itself that this is not a DAO that's going out and purchasing all of these ENS, mm-hmm. it's it's basically a uh, self organized entity that just came together right. and is like, yeah. Hey, we have a club now, and we're yeah. let everyone in it who has from zero to mm-hmm. dot, right. en, dot ETH basically, right. and you come on in, we'll build a treasury, we'll do some cool DAO stuff, but it's not. It's not a uh organization that started in advance, it's kinda of more it's emergent a, it's a, DAO. It's a
0: bottom up DAO rather than a top down DAO. out of a, its like out of a trend. Hey guys, like wait, do you guys also own four digit ENS names? I own no. a four digit ENS the name. Club. Let's get it into a Discord together <laughs> Right. it's really fun man yeah, yeah. and so well uh, there's also there's well there's the 10k club but there's also the 1k club because there's oof. for the people that only have four or three letters 1k club yeah 1k fun club. fact
1: for you david you know turtles there's only 500 turtles tiny turtles in existence so that's right do not club. try and equate turtles.
0: i'm just saying <laughs> look i'm just saying that could be a club too okay get out of here get out don't of here don't discard the turtles absolutely get out of here uh, uh in addition to uh, all of the, the 4Ks uh, for, I think the floor price for a 4K, you know, same as something like 1.5 eth, um, the five-digit uh, club, the 10,000 cl- uh, 10,000? No, the 100,000 club, has 98.5 percent minted, as in there are only 1.5 percent of the numbers up to 100,000 that are minted. <laughs> so there's still some oh, numbers there to claim. There's 1.5 percent left yeah oh, and wow. as soon as they get as soon as they get minted you know what happens is like the floor price starts to rise because people it's, want to get into at least if they weren't able to get into the 1k club and they weren't able to get into the 10k club well then they can get into the 100,000 k- club but still there's the million club to there's also the no club. rush <laughs> it keeps on going <laughs>
1: oh hilarious it probably dilutes with the, each uh e- each each club that you become
0: part of in that yeah. ring there but um Speaking we are, of, we are uh, doing a. Before we move on, we are doing a live stream with uh, two members of the 10K Club community oh yeah, right. tonight, as in yesterday, for you uh, Friday listeners, uh, and so that is available on the YouTube as well. And everyone is a Friday listener besides our editors, so that, yeah. that applies to yeah. all of you. Yeah. So for the editors, we're live streaming, but you
1: guys hardly know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this. Starbucks. They're getting in the NFT game, man. Corporate NFTs. They're a Sweet. thing. my favorite. Budweiser doing this and such. Time. What's star What's Starbucks doing though? Do they have a unique take, or is it kind of same, same?
0: It's uh, Let me me read it to you, Ryan, and you can tell me if this is unique or if this is the same same. Starbucks says, we plan to start our first NFT collection, membership and community later this year, based on coffee, art and storytelling. It will come with a host of unique experiences and benefits worthy of a Genesis NFT collection from Starbucks. Uh, Okay. Unique or the same same? (laughs) (laughs) You know
1: what? Starbucks has never done this. I've never seen it done with coffee. We could have a utility NFT for coffee. Who knows? I guess, oh you know God. what? It's cool. Look, I don't want to disparage it. It's cool. Look, Starbucks Starbucks is getting in the game. I think it starts to feel when you see too many of these experiments that are kind of cookie cutter yeah. and they're coming from corporate, it starts to feel a little... Uh, you know, me too.
0: Innovation like, theater.
1: We're yeah. using NFTs too. Yeah, Watch right. our stock price go up a yeah. little bit like that. So we'll right. see what they actually do. We should probably suspend judgment until we actually see what Starbucks is trying to pull uh, up. Too, too late. I already judged. Well, you did judge, but <laughs> let's give them another chance is what I'm saying. Remember Budweiser, they're doing it well. Budweiser started from the beginning very strong. Yeah. They yeah. have never tripped up. See, we are. You can hear the NFT hipsters in us that are just like, you better do this right, Starbucks, yeah. or we're going to yeah. judge you hard. Right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not doing things, I mean, they right, already have
0: shitty coffee. So why would we expect any different from their <laughs> oh, NFTs?
1: Dude. He's also a coffee hipster. <laughs> Listen, to this guy. Uh, speaking of doing things right, or maybe not doing it right, Solana—they mm-hmm. went down. Down and bad, like, like Solana. Okay, down bad, and uh, this is not the first time we've talked about it. A few other times. It's I think the this, third time. It's like the fifth time. I think so. I've lost track, but I think this this bears some uh, analysis or some conversation. Why don't, we, why don't you start by telling us mm. what actually happened?
0: Yeah, there's a uh, Solana status Twitter account, which that existence of that Twitter account, I feel like tells you everything you need to know. (laughs) Anyways, uh, block production on Solana mainnet has halted. Uh, There's been uh, a quick side quest. There's some debate as whether the halted word is appropriate. Other people have said, just say, call it what it is. It crashed. Uh, Validator operators should prepare for a restart in MB validators channel on Discord. Uh, So yeah, that's what happened. When was that? That was on April 30th in the evening time. Uh, Solana ended up going down for seven hours uh, because of uh, bots that were swarming an NFT project called Candy Machine. Um, And so Solana Foundation uh, calls it in effect a denial of service attack. Uh, But again, debate because people were these were normal NFT minting bots using the Solana blockchain more or less as designed like you, you have those bots on Ethereum too. Uh, But there were too many of them. And because Solana doesn't restrict its block size and it lets every transaction go through, uh, they just got swarmed with capacity. Uh, And so it broke, it crashed, it went down.
1: That's the first part of the story. So
0: Solana goes down uh, due to NFT
1: bot spam transactions, right? And so number one, we should say L1 blockchains are not supposed to go down. Like, let's just that repeat that. Number one job. They do you know, not go I, down. I understand people talk about, well, it's in it's in beta, but it's like, I don't know how it's much. billions like, of dollars. A $20 billion beta? beta? No,
0: as soon as you're at a, a $30 billion, billion dollars or larger, you are not in beta. That's you, what you I You have think. user savings on there. So you have a layer one. But the other thing is,
1: imagine if, if this was like a layer one that had all sorts of layer twos attached to it and settled on it, right? Then Oof. all of those layer twos would no longer be functional either. So you can't build on something that is not up all of the time but that's not the only part of the story and i think even the more alarming part of the story is not only did solana go down there's talk of censorship at the validator level yeah which in my mind is even worse david but what what are we looking at now with this tweet
0: yeah in the effort to get the Solana chain back online they were talking about blocking the the contracts that the nft bots were engaging with so if they block the contracts as in the validator say, Hey, we don't answer to this contract any transaction that is pinging this contract. We will not process. uh, We will not honor. Uh, And so they, Hey, uh, somebody says in the MB validators discord on, on in Solana, they say "Uh, blocking candy machine V1 and V2 and the magic Eden clone should be a last resort. Any other options? Somebody follows up saying, in my opinion, blocking them is perfectly fine for now. I'd rather have a network that is up without NFTs versus a network that is down. And then 10 green check marks in support of that. Uh, And then uh, people spelling out in letters, yes, F the bots. Um, But like Ryan it's it's not like i'd rather have a network that is up without nfts versus a network that is down it's i'd rather have a network that is up with censorship versus a network that is down that is the through line here and that is that's the thing that i personally do not agree with
1: it's also a whole bunch of validators in a discord channel shouldn't be able to shouldn't have the ability to decide this it's not like this shouldn't even exist this conversation shouldn't even be possible on a layer one that is censorship resistant. That's what we're saying. This is a a tweet from the Magic Eden founder, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think maybe coming into Discord. What does this say, David?
0: Uh, Well, this is not the Magic Eden founder. This is a guy saying that the Magic Eden founder is begging Solana validators to not block their contracts. Uh, And he goes, please do not block this contract. Please do not block, block this contract, right? Because this is this guy's business. Like he's got a business to run and it's on Solana. And like the Solana validators are like, no, we're gonna have to... like like shut down your business because it's clogging the network
1: i'm a little bit worried we're a broken record on this all right because so i don't i just i don't want people to get the impression that we're just like bankless is here and we're just like arbitrarily bashing other chains okay the reason we're talking about this is because decentralization is essential without decentralization without censorship resistance uh properties we don't even deserve To be the whole industry doesn't even deserve to be worth over a billion dollars. It's accomplished nothing. We're databases. We're open databases. We are not a new social fabric that we can like create a money system on or create a new property rights system on. Effectively, everything that the crypto people have been talking about is a bunch of bullshit. Okay, That's why why this is important to us, and it's not about Solana in particular, it's about let's make sure at the base layer of our protocols, we're building decentralization such that corruption can't seep in, such that validators can't censor and block transactions, because if we're doing that already at this early stage in the game, then we're no better than the system we just left. You had a take on this too, David.
0: Yeah, I call this the dual problem of Solana. It goes down because its fees are too low to prevent spam attacks. And the other problem is that the Solana tokenomics are terrible because it's issuing $8.5 million a day in security spend while only generating $53,000 in fees per day. So like cross those two things. It can't keep itself online because it doesn't prevent uh, transaction fees because their fees are so low, or excuse me, it doesn't prevent like spam attacks because the fees are too low, uh, but the tokenomics are bad because it's inflating so much and it's not capturing any revenue. So, I mean, to me, the simple answer is you raise the fees to prevent the spam, and then you, as a result of those fee, that fee capture, you stop issuing so many SOL tokens. Uh, this, of course, is like the Ethereum game plan. So like the critique here is like, oh, you just want Solana to be like Ethereum. Granted, Solana is being designed to do something that Ethereum is not. It's supposed to be this like all, like this, m- instant messaging platform across the world. But like in my mind, it's just like, that's not how blockchains work. It's just not what's going to be long-term sustainable. So this is my path for Solana to become a network that has good tokenomics that also doesn't go down.
1: Look, and I recognize, I think the Solana community knows that they still need to fix things. And so there is the hope out there that they take a path that leads towards more decentralization while they're scaling this. And you maybe, maybe you kind of agree that the Solana network is in beta and they need to take steps towards this. So i just very hopeful that the Solana community gets things together and they figure this out and they move it forward. But they're not going to be able to do that unless they have uh, some better mechanism
0: design here. And yeah, the last take I'll say on this is, remember, we are here to have anti-nation state level resistance. And so if your network trips over because like NFT minting bots killed it, like a nation state can definitely kill it. Like yeah, it can definitely absolutely. go down. Yeah,
1: the Fed, the Fed just has to go in that Discord channel and be like, yeah, yeah stop right yeah. now, please.
0: Yeah, you, you you guys, quit your shenanigans.
1: Yeah, please. Stop, stop right your blockchain. Now. <laughs> right now, and then right. deactivates. Yeah. Or AMLKYC, or anything else you'd like. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Warren Buffett still doesn't like Bitcoin, David. He just I'm, doesn't th- get it. This is
0: my shocked face.
1: <laughs> well, let's uh, read some of the quotes he said. So he and God. Charlie Munger, just this week, Buffett said he wouldn't pay $25 for all the Bitcoin in the world. Yes, you would, Buffett. Don't lie.
0: <laughs> Why would you not do that?
1: Right, yeah.
0: It's like a, it's like a uh, he's virtue signaling, right? He's basically yeah. virtue signaling and say, hey, all the other boomer investors of the world, I wouldn't take Bitcoin for $25. Um, he goes, in my life, uh, Charlie Munger says, in my life, I try to avoid things that are evil, stupid, and make me look bad in comparison to somewhere else. And he says, Bitcoin does all three. Uh, Question mark there. But then he follows up and saying, the billionaire investor explained that holding Bitcoin is stupid because he expects it to be worth $0 in time. Okay. Evil, because it undermines the integrity and stability of the U.S. financial system. Yeah, statist, okay. Uh, and also makes the United States look foolish because China's ruling party was smart enough to ban it. See, my, these, in my mind, all I call these all personal problems. As in, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, th- those, those are your problems, bro. Like, Bitcoin's going to add another block every 10 minutes regardless of your opinion on it.
1: You know, it really cracks me up when people like this um, talk about Bitcoin and say it's stupid and it's going to zero, (laughs) yet it's also evil and it undermines the U.S. financial system. Like you got to pick one of those things. If it's stupid and it's going to zero, it's not going to undermine the U.S. financial system, is it? It's just going to go to zero, so you don't have to worry about it. So how come you're saying it's stupid and it's also undermining the U.S. financial system? you got to pick one, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you can't be <laughs> That's both. That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, well, moving on. Uh, maybe Buffett, Munger, come on, Bankless. I <laughs> have a quick discussion. <laughs> and they're fantastic investors in other areas, so I, I just don't understand this refusal to you know, like dig deep in the space. But right. um, let's talk about this. This is, this is big, David. So this is David. So pull bad. together... We don't is like involved this. in something. We alluded to this in the uh, in the intro today. Tell us what's mm-hmm. going on with uh, this troll that seems to be suing Pool
0: Together. Yeah, somebody who uh, is connected intimately connected with Elizabeth Warren's campaign. I think a, a previous campaign like helper person uh, came to Pool Together. Uh, they bought ten dollars worth of Pool Together tickets for Pool Together's No Lost Lottery, which they call a prize linked savings account, as in it's a savings account that you get a prize every now and then. Uh, and then as soon as they did that they s- uh, filed a class action lawsuit against pool together saying that it operates in the regulatory legal gray area and that it's actually a lottery uh, and that is not a legal thing. To do, uh, and so this this uh, class action lawsuit is suing Pull Together on behalf of every single Pull Together user that has ever deposited money into Pull Together. I'm one of those. Uh, you're one of those. So the, he is suing Pull Together on your behalf, Ryan. Uh, and so for, of the I believe the 144 million, uh, 122 million dollars that has collectively been been put into Pull Together, they are suing, doing a class action lawsuit for two x that amount. So they are suing Pull Together 244 million dollars to make their users whole the thing is pull together is a no loss lottery no one loses any money no that's the anything. point so no one lost anything yet they are suing in a class action lawsuit Pull together for a quarter billion dollars this is uh, it's, it's embarrassing david mm-hmm. they're picking like the nicest
1: protocol to do this to, yeah. right rather than go look at all of the other like all these degen protocols and like people who've got shitty paths and maybe have run away with the money. This is freaking pulled
0: together. It's pulled together. Never lost anyone onboarding like tens of thousands of people from uh, like countries all across the globe. If there's any DeFi app that has onboarded like third world countries and like non-Western countries the most, it's pulled together.
1: It's a savings account, man. Yeah. It's a savings account that boosts your savings. Like why, why isn't this person who put why doesn't this person put $10 in their Wells Fargo account and sue right. the US government for like losing 9% per year yeah. on their money, right? Like, I mean, pulled together is only upside. I don't know why they're picking on the nicest kid in the class to go uh, do this to. Um, maybe it's because of sort of the the lottery type of example. Maybe they feel like they have a stronger legal case, but yes. it's very clear to me that they are trying to make a, um, a statement to right. the entire DeFi industry and they are trying to, to use the court systems to troll the court systems right. into like, I don't know, some sort of action that mm-hmm. would further regulate, further uh, constrain, further destroy the innovation of uh, the DeFi ecosystem in, in the right. U.S. That's what the intent seems to be.
0: Yeah, and I think they're not they, they don't really care about pool together specifically. I think they are seeing pool together as like a chink in the armor because of its association to being a lottery, and they're going after pool together. And I think the the strategy here is if they win something in court, they get to go in discovery mode, and so pool together has to turn over all the communications, all the Discord messages, and then like all you know all those people. It's a it's a DAO, so they work for other yeah. DAOs, and so the communications about like Uniswap comes out and Compound comes out, and so then they get information about those things and it's it's a it's like a backdoor attack into the defi ecosystem using a legal exploit in the legal world it's an it's it's insipid in both accounts so absolutely f these people it's
1: not it's not even a lottery right like like in the traditional uh usage of the word lottery people put money at risk and they actually lose money right no one's lost money here they've only gained money here right i don't Or, or not or nothing yeah, well, worst case look,
0: scenario, you get your money back.
1: I hope I hope in some way that the the DeFi and crypto industry rallies around pool together. I don't know if mm-hmm. there's a way to do that. But like if this is a hill to die on, I mean, like you pick the wrong protocol, guys. Like, I mean, there's there's examples <laughs> of shadowy protocols out there with like some you know stuff that like is some shenanigans going on. Pool together mm. is not one of those. Right. Okay. So right. I don't know if there's a way to rally the DeFi community around this and push back, but like mm. we have to win at every level of government, or else people who uh, I don't know what is the vendetta against this. Is it coming from the banking industry?
0: I is don't it, know. Well, I what? mean, you, a former technology lead for Elizabeth Warren's 2020 presidential campaign, Mr. It's Kent. Political is described in this lawsuit as someone who is gravely concerned at the prospect that cryptocurrency, which consumes volu- voluminous amounts of electricity, could contribute to climate change besides enabling bad actors who circumvent uh, financial sanctions. Just, so pool together? What?
1: It's just, what? look at this. Voluminous amounts of electricity contributing to co- climate change. I put $10 in pool together and now you owe me a, like $150 million. Insane. Uh, yeah. Insane. See. Anyway, enough said there. Hopefully it's just, you know, nothing comes of that. But I know um, well, like pool, pool together has we'll... spent
0: a lot of money fighting these legal fees. So this <sighs> is not just this has been ongoing. This, this news broke. We actually covered this news months ago, Ryan, like person put $10 into pool together now suing them over. Yeah, we gas saw fees. the original complaint. Yeah, that was like a quarter ago. This has been going on for pool together ever since then. So it's, it's not like this is press, on, like, some brand new thing. Like they have been fighting this and like they're finally just like going public about it. All right,
1: moving on. Uh, hopefully things get better. We get a lot of work to do in the US. Uh, the Fae protocol. Things have just. Speaking of things not getting better. Yeah, this is not getting better. Okay, so there was an exploit, Rari Capital exploit. David, what happened here?
0: Yeah, there was a $80 million exploit in a what's uh, been described as a textbook re-entrancy bug. Uh, somebody was able to bug the Rari side of the Fae, Rari um, DAO for $80 million. As a result, there is a $10 million bounty on that $80 million dollar. Uh, on that capital exploit um, I don't really know how to read the code, but there was a cool tweet that I saw that illustrated the uh, illustrated the the exploit. Um, but again, these picture the the person putting out this team says uh, is a textbook reentrancy exploit, whatever that means. That is the type of exploit that I believe is that the one that got the DAO, David. Yeah, is it that was the a, one yeah, also that got the Parity uh, wallet. I, I don't know if reentrancy attacks are like universally the same. It's probably just like the same pattern over and over and over again. It's but, the smart contract uh, yeah. code. There's yeah. a flaw in the actual smart contract code
1: which is different than an economic attack. Anyway, guys, we got more to cover coming up next. We're going to do this new segment, Dave. It's going to be a lot of fun. Questions from the nation. These are questions from roll-up listeners like you to David and I. We're going to answer those questions. Of course, we got to get to the takes of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. All right, guys, we are back. We're starting with the questions of the week. This is maybe a recurring segment we're gonna do. And uh, the call to action, guys, if you have a burning question in your mind, after listening to the roll up for Dave and I to answer, go follow at Bankless HQ once a week. It will ask you what question you have. You could drop your question in the thread and we will uh, pick maybe one of the most liked or favorites to answer. And uh, we got a few questions teed up. What's the first one, David?
0: Yeah, first one comes from Michael Wong. Good buddy, (laughs) Michael Wong actually works at Bankless. His question is for you, Ryan. How tall are you?
1: (laughs) I feel like this is a a troll tweet, okay? Because there's some rumors going on. How about you'll find out, David, when we meet in person. I think no one knows this, but I'll give you guys a hint. It's somewhere between four foot six
0: and six foot four. I think it would be between those numbers, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) What else we got? Well, I think that confirms that you are not a bot because you at least have legs. Yeah, definitely have legs. Definitely, definitely legs. have legs. All right, next question. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and both of you. Thank you to uh, truckin.eth for that. I have learned a ton about a crypto in general from Bankless. My question is, why do you guys seem to only talk about Optimism, Arbitrum, and Polygon when discussing Layer 2s? Loopering seems to be trying to accomplish exactly what you guys are. They don't finish that sentence, but we get the gist. Uh, you want to yes. start? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Loopring is
1: fantastic. Loopring is great. We actually talked a lot about Loopring during the early days. I think. Um we're fans, we, we love all of our children, all of our children being all of the L2 solutions that are truly decentralized out there. Big fans of Arbitrum, big fans of Polygon, big f- fans of Optimism, ZK Sync, Starkware, all of these things, Loopring included. It's just a matter of like time and attention of what we can focus on in a given week. We tend to focus on the ones that are gaining momentum and gaining more traction. So you know, one proxy for this that we like to look at is on layer two beat, you can see total locked value and growth of these layer 2s over time and we pick, you know, the most legitimate ones uh, and the most high growth ones are the ones that we we generally prioritize. But all of them are fantastic. What would you say, David?
0: All right, I'll I'll p- I'll play uh, devil's advocate, Ryan. I think the, the reason why Loopring hasn't had the adoption that other Layer 2s have had is just because it's not generalizable. Uh, ZK roll-up, it does its two main features. It's really good at payments and it's really good at swapping tokens. Uh, so like, it's a good like currency exchange slash payments roll-up. You can also do NFTs on it. Uh, but it doesn't have like the generalizability that something like an optimistic rollup has, uh, and so that like constrictedness in use cases, I think, is why like Loopring has kind of lagged behind the the rest of the layer two ecosystem over the last year since we started covering it. Um, but uh, I mean, as as soon as we see any meaningful adoption, we'll we'll start we'll start talking about it. But just like you know, got to got to go to where the attention is, got to go to where the news are and news is, and I just don't see that much like use cases coming to uh, Loopring that that frequently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's the next question. I don't know if this is a, I don't know if this is a troll or, or what. No, it's uh, a
0: good question. Maybe a little of both. It's good. You want me to read it? Which, I'll read it? Yeah, you read it. Which one will come first, sharding on Ethereum or Ethereum <laughs> the movie? Well, that's a legitimate question. Never mind. I take it back.
1: This is not yeah. a troll question. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think will come first, ETH sharding or ETH the movie? And we said ETH the movie was coming. What Cami told us, twenty twenty four, two 2024. years from now. Twenty twenty four. are gonna get sharding sometime before twenty twenty four.
0: Yeah. Well, it depends on when in 2024, the movie comes, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, both of these things could be delayed in tandem with each other. So this is actually a really tough question. Like oh, the timing boy. on these things is actually kind of lining up. I do think charting does happen in 2024. Um, you know what, this is a good question
1: for the dank charting panel that mm. we are doing. So, nice plug. Nice plug. this is a nice pa- look that was totally unintentional. There's a there's a panel we're having Vitalik, we're having some, we're having Tim Bako, we're having some of the other Ethereum D-Dank researchers. Dankrad, the mm-hmm. Dank in Dank sharding is coming. <laughs> this is like an earlier attempt to bring sharding to Ethereum, basically mm-hmm. in the form of data sharding. And I think we're gonna want to talk about timelines if we yeah. can in that panel. Are we so, talking in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four? We'll uh, ask that question.
0: Of course, Tim Bako and the rest of the Ethereum researchers hate having dates press yes. upon them, so yes. we'll ask this question instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's a way. That's a way. Thank you,
1: listener. Yeah, yeah this for is giving great. us this question. This it's great. a much more low key way to ask and not put them on the spot, but still put them on the spot. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. I know right. you're listening. Takes of the week. Takes of the week. Takes of the week.
0: Uh, this, this is mine. yeah this is coming from you. You want me to read it to you? Yeah, Antake. read it to me, please. Brian Sean Adams says that layer 2s are parasitic. He's being he's being uh, facetious here. Layer 2s are parasitic to the Ethereum economy the same way that New York, California, Texas and Florida are parasitic to the US economy and then of course he follows up with lol no they're not. They're really not, David.
1: And this is something we talked about in our episodes early in the week, uh, the trillion dollar opportunity in layer two, which is this is a map of US states and they're all renamed in this map to countries with similar uh, GDPs. And so like mm-hmm. California is renamed UK because California and UK are the same size in terms of uh, economy. Canada is, is the size of, Texas is the size of Canada, right? So all of these states are massively contributing to what? To the United States... GDP, all right? They're all secured by the United States federal government. They uh, subscribe to the same security regime. They subscribe to the same protocol. That is a great analog for layer twos. All of the layer twos that we've been talking about, loop ring included, optimism, Uh arbitrum, loop ring, Starkware, all of these things, if they are settling on the Ethereum network, then they are net accretive to the Ethereum economy. They are part of the Ethereum network, if you will. Some people talking about, like even last week, last weekend they were talking about Ethereum transaction fees are so high, oh my God. And like, they are on mainnet, but broaden your view of what an Ethereum transaction is. If you're doing an Ethereum transaction, if you're doing a transaction on Arbitrum or Optimism in the future, that is an Ethereum transaction. And that is 95% less in cost, right? The transaction that would have cost you $10 on Ethereum mainnet only cost you $1, 50 cents on Arbitrum, right? And so that is all net accretive. I don't understand this, uh, this idea that layer twos are going to be parasitic to ether as an asset. They are absolutely not. And I think we have the full version of that case as to why in our episode, in our part one episode we dropped earlier this week.
0: Yeah, for uh, Bankless listeners that are not on Twitter, this was part of the Twitter discourse in the last week, was that I think it's largely coming from the, like, the Avalanche camp saying that Layer 2 tokens, which is now in the conversation, because Optimism launched their token, they were saying, well, Layer 2s are just going to suck away all the transaction demand from the Layer 1. And we we're like, yes, that's the point. Uh, yeah. But like the contrast is like a- AVAC subnets versus Ethereum Layer 2s, these are competing visions. Um, and, the, and the claim out of the some of the Avalanche camp is like the Layer 2s will just be parasitic to Ethereum um it's I not,
1: definitely don't see it. You guys yeah, uh, listen to it. those episodes and, and do your own due diligence and uh, yeah. you get your take here. Um, David, this was something that uh, yeah. I tweaked you
0: a little bit. <laughs> this, one, oh, this one this one, triggered me here. Uh, this is a, a conversation from some non-crypto people about how blockchains are completely just like non-useful for computing technologies. So the, the parent tweet says, every computer scientist should be able to see that cryptocurrencies are totally dysfunctional payment systems and that, in quote, blockchain technology, including some Smart contracts, misspelled, is a technological fraud. Will they please go say that out loud? And then somebody follows up saying, Harvard computer science degree here, many decades of practical experience. Uh, There is no computing problem for which blockchain is anywhere near the best solution. And before we go to my tweet, I want to go to Santi Siri's tweet, who retweets this and says, Uh, (laughs) Oops, tease my tweet. Santi Siri, whoever had on Layer Zero, he goes, college dropout here, many decades living under high inflation. Blockchains don't solve computing problems. They solve social, political, and economic problems. Yes. Yes, that's right it's, it's not a computer it's not a computation platform it's a social platform it's an economic platform uh, so like you know mr. Harvard with your C- computer science <laughs> degree like you're not coming in here being an expert bro <laughs> and so this is the tweet I followed but, up with but but, with. but but maybe okay. he
1: was right though David before you get to your tweet maybe he's right there is no computing problem for which the block that's what he said computing problem it's in the domain right. of computing problem yeah, okay. maybe he's
0: technically right uh, he's technically right but yeah he just misses <laughs> the forest for the trees what
1: what is, uh, the, what is and, the the forest through the trees?
0: Right. And so I did the whole capital letters, uncapital letters. I was making fun of it. and go, Harvard computer science degree here. Decades of XP. And I go, no amount of credentialism can help you understand blockchains. You learn about crypto by doing crypto things, not by sitting in an armchair. You know what happened next, Ryan? What happened? He blocked me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
1: look, man, your tweet was a little spicy. I understand. <laughs> I think, look, I think that... Um, This is just the ivory tower talking about, like coming down and saying, like I'm an expert. I have these credentials. Mm -hmm. I understand, like listen to me. Yes, and you know this 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 system that you guys are creating over here is completely invalid. And haven't even spent the time to do the deep dive due diligence to actually come up with a well informed critique. And we see this all of the time. Um, so I understand why why you're tweaked. Um, do you have something against Harvard though? Something any.
0: No, it's just like oh, I've got a Harvard, I've got a Harvard degree. Like <laughs> it's the, kind of the like crypto peak... industry is inherently anti-credentialist, just yeah. because like credentialists are like incumbent protection, uh, protections, and so like regulation, like credentialism, it's all just like trying to gatekeep away. And so like you know, especially about blockchains, where there is no textbook, there is nothing, <laughs> and so you can only learn about crypto I by just, doing crypto things. You can't learn about crypto by like reading about it. I just always turn back
1: and I'm like, okay, explain why. this industry is worth two trillion dollars explain why it survived every single time that you said it was a Ponzi scheme and it was going to zero just like Charlie Munger explain what's happening here like put put them on the defensive and you don't usually get good answers you usually get answers like it's rat poison squared or it's a complete scam or it's tulips it's a bubble Um, love to hear from the great critiquers of crypto they are few and far between Uh, David Gotta
0: ask you the question, what are you excited about this week, man? Dude, I'm excited about the layer zero that I did with Carl Florsch. Uh I've said it a bunch of times this week, but I'll, so I'll say it for my last time. Carl Floresch, he was the guy that got me into the Ethereum space to begin with during just the mania of 2017 when I didn't know anything. I was a crypto novice. All these different blockchains existed. They were spinning up new ones, new tokens were a thing. I had no idea what was up, what was down, and how to interpret these things. And then I uh, stumbled upon Carl Floresch's cryptoeconomics.study website where he was walking through... Like, com- like complex, but also basic issues about blockchains and how blockchains work, like things like nonces and hashes. And, uh, and he just like taught me so much in this thing. And then, so as a result of that, it's like, oh, whatever that guy is saying, he's saying the right things. Like this guy gets it. He understands what's going on. And so Carl Flores has been a personal hero of mine ever since. And I finally got him on layer zero, Ryan. Uh, and so we talked about uh, what we, uh, we use the metaphor of like, if humanity is a decentralized school of fish, how do we steer the school of fish so that's like hmm. the the through line of the metaphor throughout the whole entire podcast uh, and this goes into the question of retroactive public goods funding uh, and the, uh, the the MeV auctions on the optimism layer two and it makes me super bullish on humanity, Ryan because the public goods funding we talked about this in the part two of our layer two podcast which again for the th- like 50th time of this podcast <laughs> listeners <laughs> listen to go it. listen to um, <laughs> it, the the path towards a star trek future ryan is actually known like we actually have the steps to getting there like first we sell blocks on optimism we send that money towards public goods funding using the retroactive public goods funding mechanism we build out public goods on optimism we scale that out to ethereum we scale that out to the whole crypto industry we scale that out to the whole world a few question marks and then all of a sudden we have a Star Trek future. Like this this path is concrete and it makes me really optimistic about the future. So if you have not listened to that podcast with Carl Flourish, I beg you to go listen to it so you can see the path forward for an optimistic future as well.
1: It, look, it's not just a substance that Carl brings. It's also tone. If you can yeah. find me a more optimistic human being, a more genuine human being, mm-hmm. like You know, I've never I've never seen one. Carl, it just exudes this enthusiasm, this optimism, this hope for the future. That's pretty infectious. All right, right, Ryan, you're up. What are you excited about? Look, Uh, it just kind of hit me. We booked Mark Andreessen for the podcast. All right. He's coming on the podcast with Chris Dixon. Mark Andreessen. And he uh, does that's do the Andreessen
0: podcasts. in A16Z for the listeners yeah, out there.
1: Yeah, it's the guy who did the Netscape thing. It's the Andreessen. The Andreessen. He created the browser, you know, yeah. the thing that we're all using to like do everything in our life, whether it's mobile or on the internet. It's like the portal into the internet. You know, he was there for that. He was there for like all of Web1's development, all of Web2's development. Now A16Z is doing big things in crypto and Web3. And I just can't believe that guy's coming to the podcast, dude. Like, I just, he's been a. Uh, on my list of people i've wanted to talk to since forever way before crypto but like we'd have no no chance to you know bump into each other rub elbows uh until now and so i'm just it just kind of hit me this week like holy shit mark andreessen's coming on the podcast so that's happening that's what i'm excited about
0: yeah, man, we were, we were just getting like the wisdom of our technological elders getting on the podcast lately. Yeah. He's also coming on with Chris Dixon, who was our, our most downloaded episode ever. So, you know, it's going to be fire anyways. Um, plus, you get the perspective of Mark Andreessen. Andreessen. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's going to be a hot episode.
1: Yeah, it's coming soon. And it may. Uh, David, meme right, of the week.
0: Meme of the week. Let's show it. Before it we is. do,
1: how many days until permissionless, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. I just, I've lost track of time. Feels uh, about like, 12. Uh, about 12, 12 days. days? 12 days. That's it? Till the first yeah. day of the conference? I think that's right. It's oh about my God, right. God, man. That
0: is, that is soon. I'm excited. Yeah. So here's the meme of the week. We we brought on a, a new uh, like memer person in, in Bankless, and so this is one of his memes. This is the uh, the there's that that cute gif of like the two toddlers running from super <laughs> far away to hug each other, and it's me and Ryan. <laughs> it's
1: me and that's Ryan. It's awesome, man. I can't look. It's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. We're gonna meet in person. I don't know where that's gonna happen. We haven't like arranged it or anything, but uh, it's it's gonna be awesome, dude, to actually meet you in person. In my physical human body, okay? Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> so here's the weird thing. It's like the artist drew my head backwards. And I don't understand why.
0: Well, yeah, that's because no one knows what the back of your head looks like, dude. I, that's what you said on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, But then I showed you what the yeah. back of my head looks like. This is exactly what it looks like. If that's like, David, not so. what it looks like, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I've never seen you wear a gold chain before.
1: No, I put that on for the picture, you know, because yeah. I wanted it to does, the whole. It
0: does fit the mullet. The whole it does fit the yeah. mullet. Yeah. yeah, this is my office there. Did you see that?
1: <laughs> meme of the week. Uh, do we have a second meme of the week? Uh, no, we it. do.
0: We know. Just that one. Just uh, that guys, one. Guys, that's it.
1: This roll up time thanks so much for hanging with us. As always, none of this has been financial advice. It's not haircut advice either. ETH is risky. Bitcoin is risky. So is DeFi. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. Don't say we didn't warn you. We're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.